Hello and welcome to another Spotlight Series podcast by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and on today's podcast I'm joined by Sean Paul Byrne from the Birdie Old CSC up in Cumbernauld in Scotland. How are you Sean Paul? Yeah, I'm good Jared, how are you? Yeah, pretty good mate. About, we've had it, been talking about doing this podcast for a little while there so uh, it's always good to get on and have a chat and learn about another CSC. So thanks for your time today. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Because I think trying to fit it in with the time difference was a bit of a challenge, but it's good to get it now underway. And with the football starting up basically next week, by the looks of it, it's a good time for it as well. So happy days ahead. Yeah, definitely. So kind of some normality getting underway, but as you say, sooner the fans are back in, the better. So especially with with the supporters club. Um, you see, getting the fans in is kind of the main thing. You see, without it, it's a bit kind of difficult in a way. Yep. So do you want to tell us a bit about your CSC, when it was founded and by who? Well, we started up um, in December 2016, um, so just under four years ago now. Um, and so it was started up by myself um, and you see, some, some friends. So you see, we kind of started up, there was a few, a few kind of mates had been travelling in sort of by train and by car and car sharing and stuff um, and it had been a thought for a while of trying to start up a bus um, but you see there was a, quite a few supporters clubs in the area so it was something we hadn't really done um, and then we had played we played Aberdeen in the League Cup final um, at Hamden and it was on a Sunday a sort of Sunday afternoon um, and the travel's not the greatest to and from Hamden. So some of us had got the trains um, and ended up, we had to wait for a train on the way home. So we kind of walked into Glasgow um, and see, obviously through the day we had a fair bit to drink, to be honest. So it ended up a bit of a walk. Um, and we decided kind of then that we're going to try and start up our own bus um, just to make things easier for us travelling through. So we started up at the time, and it was only, I think, the first the first week we had done it. Um, it was maybe the week after the cup final, um, a week or two after, um, and we tried to start up a minibus. So at the time, we only had nine or ten names down to come to the bus. Um, and then when the bus came, I think there was only six of us on it. So it kind of looked as if we were really going to struggle for numbers, so... I think at the time it started off, we were paying almost £13 each to get a minibus through. Um, but then through the weeks, it kind of gathered pace. Um, so it gathered pace with people sort of coming on the bus and it getting bigger. Um, and then sort of by the end of the season, we had maybe 18, 19 people on a minibus, um, which was then outgrowing that bus. So the following season is when we registered through the club and made everything more official um, and had to get a bus company and a bigger capacity bus. Um, and basically, it's kind of just grew from there. It's got stronger and stronger, really. It's just got a lot bigger and grew in terms of people coming on. And it's been it's been really good in the terms of the four year four years. It's, it's went from, say, six of us the first day up to times that we've had 70-seater buses running to games. Um, we went kind of across Europe and stuff as well on the bus. Um, you see, we went to Paris, went to Sunderland. Um, so it's, it's been quite a journey, to be honest, within the four years. So it's, it's been good. That's great stories there. It um, sounds like it's growing organically, which is what we like. And, um, yeah, onwards and upwards, I suppose. Um, so yeah. whereabouts do you meet up? before games or to get on the buses there a pub that you meet up at for a few drinks or what's the what's the go with that yeah well see where we stay in Cumbernauld you've got um, you see the, the town centre um, and there's a pub there where some people meet um, and we do a pick up from the town centre as well so we do two pick ups um, one um, is at the town centre and the second one is at a pub um, just a bit sort of out the road. It's kind of a bit of a standalone pub. Um, so it's called like the Stables Bar. So we go there and that's where 
quite a lot of the members go and we'll go there, get a few drinks, um, and we'll go there after the games. Um, and then some some away games and stuff, and maybe European matches, we'll sort of go there. So we've got a bit of a partnership with the owner there. Um, so see, I know him quite well. So you see, he sort of accommodates us in there. Um, so see, kind of he's now when the lockdown was on, he's kind of made a separate area now for putting football and stuff on. So you see, it's been that's where we go mainly for before and after games um, and then say watch some games up there as well so, so usually we'd go up there maybe an hour maybe an hour or two before the bus leaves um, and then mainly kind of go from there to to the game um, and when we go to Celtic Park we go to the Celtic Supporters Club or the Celtic Supporters Association on London Road which is only 5-10 minutes walk from the stadium so we'll go there and get a quick quick drink there as well before going to the match. Um, after the game, we'll just get on the bus, head home and maybe get a, get a pint in the, the stables bar again. Um, so see, I think with the supporters club, being so local to Celtic Park as well, see, a lot of it is basically around the, sort of the pub, really, because that's where you, you spend the sort of most time with the members. Um, so see, through the years, we've been at the sort of town centre, but now the last few years has been in the stables bar mainly, um, and that's where you see we kind of base ourselves now. That's great. So, um, what's a typical match day like at the CSC? Since you, as you said, you're pretty close to Celtic Park, about 20 minutes away, and yeah. how does that differ on a home day versus an away game day? Well, you said in terms of a home game. If it's say three o'clock on a Saturday, um, the bus will leave about half one, so it's an hour and a half before kick off, um, and say maybe people start meeting in the pub, maybe about twelve o'clock, um, and we sort of go to the pub, get a few drinks. Um, if there's any football on the telly, watch that, um, and then say we'll get we'll leave, get to Celtic Park. Some people go to. So the Celtic Supporters Association, people will go there for a drink. Other people maybe meet up with some other mates um, and go and get a sort of drink elsewhere. So as you can imagine, quite a lot of quite a lot of the day sort of surrounded by drink. But as you say kind of part part of the games. Um so we we would leave about half one, so we'd meet up say around about twelve, go to the pub, go to the games, and then after the games go back sort of to the pub again. Um away games depends on how many tickets we get um, every game's kind of different um, especially now see, the closer it gets to the kind of 10 in a row it's, the tickets are like gold dust at times um, so maybe a few years ago it was quite easier to pick up some tickets um, but now we've got we're beginning to get some more as, as time goes on but it's usually again we kind of meet up at the pub um, and we'll usually do Every game we'd get tickets for, we'd usually do a, a, a bus to it. Um, so, you see, it's usually... It's, it's, it's a bit different with away games because sometimes, say, for midweek, we're maybe struggling to get to meet up a bit earlier. But, you see, for home games, we go to every single home game um, and every game at Hamden. So, you see, we go to every one of them every season. Um, and, see, away games is basically see how many tickets we can get and just sort of build it up from there. But see, we do a bus to almost every game we can. Um, so it's basically, it's, it's just every year trying to build up, to be honest. So how does it work with the tickets? Is it, if the people from the CSC are season ticket holders, are they the ones who normally go to home games? And then with the away games, how do you get the tickets for those? Is it through the club? Is it through a supporters club thing that you're registered with? How does that work? Yeah, well... You see, every year, um, so we're going through the process at the moment, Celtic will email myself um, and ask me for the registered members for the season. Um, so last year we had 44 members. So I'll register that through the club. Um, and when it comes to away games, I'll get an email saying which members have been successful in an away ticket allocation. So 
I would then contact the members who got offered the ticket, um, and if they want it, then they can have it first. If they don't want it, we can offer it to someone else through the club, primarily to another member who's registered. Um, so they said, again, it depends on how many how many games we get. We maybe get last year. I think for Kilmarnock in particular, I think we got thirty three away tickets. Um, so it's whoever gets it gets sort of the ticket first. Um, first, and if they don't want it, we can offer it out. Um, but the Celtic will email myself, and we can sort of dish the tickets out then. Um, but through the club as well, they'll give us maybe an extension of the date. So for just season ticket holders, there'll be a deadline. Um, so they'll say that this Friday you've got to get your ticket by ten o'clock, for example. Whereas we get a bit of extra compensation to get the tickets um, and through the supporters club as well there's times that we might have maybe three three away games in quick succession and for some members you're paying for myself I pay £60 a month for my season ticket um, then you could possibly have two or three away games as well and some away games are maybe £30 a ticket so you're, you're paying upwards of £100 just for match tickets so with the supporters club, we've got a fund, a bank account, which pays for these tickets. Um, so we'll pay for the tickets, and then it gives the members a bit of leeway to pay for them themselves, so they're not left out of hand or having to give up tickets because they can't afford them as well. So there is benefits for members to our club, but there's also um, some leeway with the club to the supporters club as well. So it's kind of work hand in hand, to be honest. Um, but it's good for some people who maybe don't have an away record. So every year they'll say, right, last year, how many away games did you did you go to? And it benefits you as the years go on. But some people in our supporters club had maybe never been to an away game or never had an away ticket. So if some people can't make it, then it gives the other members the opportunity to get away tickets where maybe they wouldn't have been able to if they weren't through the supporters club. So there is... There is benefits there for um, the members as well, and so it kind of helps everyone out. That's great to hear. So um, if someone in the local area wanted to become a member of the CSC, what's the process and how do they do it? Well, so we've got our um, Twitter page and Facebook page. So for every game, um, we'll always put posts up saying, the bus is leaving from the stables bar, half one, picking up at the town centre. Um, basically, everyone's welcome, whether they're members or non-members. Um, and so that kind of gets shared about. And people just message the page saying they're interested in coming on. Um, we don't charge any more for non-members. Some, some supporters clubs will maybe charge their members, say, £5 and charge non-members maybe seven or eight pounds we'll charge them a bit more for us we just kind of charge it on a game to game basis um, so there's no disadvantage to non-members there um, usually when they come on the bus some people aren't even aware of the bus when they come on so they'll come on and then it kind of opens their eyes to it a bit and then we'll get chatting to them and if they, basically, they just come game by game and then the following season so I give them the option to join and they can register then for the membership through the bus. Um, so it's, it's basically just word, word of mouth, to be honest. Um, so people then come on and people start asking some, some friends and stuff to come on um, and just build it from there. But it's all kind of social media orientated. There's a lot of people message through the Twitter page, through the Facebook page and stuff. Um, and then they come on and just take it game by game, to be honest. Um, and then just basically message myself and we'll offer the membership. And then last year, it was only the charge £30 for the membership. Um, and that was just to get your season ticket registered through the bus. And then it sort of meant that we would pick up the tickets. Um, because some other, if, if you're not registered through the club, you would need to phone up and buy your ticket. And then it would get sent out to you. Um, and sort of charge, I think it's £7 just to send it out to you. Or you need to go into Celtic Park yourself to pick it up, um, and there can be quite tight sort of timescales for that. So for myself, I go in and I'll go in and pick up all the tickets together. 
So it takes the stress away from sort of non-members and doing that, that allows us to handle tickets and purchase tickets on behalf of them. Um, and then obviously it gets our benefits of maybe getting some away tickets that you wouldn't get if you weren't through the supporters club. So that's why we charge a membership is for that. Um, and say it gives the bus some extra funds when it comes to buying tickets. Because sometimes if we get, say, Kilmarnock away, it was, we got offered maybe 33 tickets and you're, you're, sort of, you're between seven and £800 just to pick up the tickets. So you kind of need money in the bank for that. Um, so that's why we charge a membership. And in terms of other memberships, the £30 isn't too, isn't too bad. Um, but it's an easy process. It's just message message the page. We've got a WhatsApp group chat, um, and usually we just add everyone into that group chat. It gets them involved in the social aspect of the bus, um, and they get them talking to the guys, and then you just become a member through through time, really. Um, it's, it's an easy process, um, and it gets a lot of benefits for it as well. Yeah, it's great to hear. So you mentioned about people just bringing their friends along on the bus. If so, that's okay. And also, if there was like a member, someone who wanted to come, and they're from, from out of town, like if someone was over from Ireland or the USA or whatever, they're welcome to jump on the bus with you guys. Yeah, yeah. So it's especially in terms of kind of big European matches, the bus gets a lot busier then. Um, so when you get home games, you've got a lot of the kind of the members who come on. Um, sometimes you've got people maybe working and stuff, so the bus can be relatively quieter in home games. Still, still busy enough, but it's still quite a big club. You're maybe getting between fifteen to twenty-five people for home games. But when it comes to big European matches, maybe matches against Rangers as well, we can we usually run sort of between a fifty-nine and a seventy-seater. So it can be really, really, really busy then. Um, and see a lot of people start bringing friends over. Um, we've had that message before from people from Ireland who were coming over um, and they may be staying in a hotel in Cumbernauld. Um, so that was one of the, the circumstances I had before was someone who had friends in Cumbernauld and they came over, stayed in Cumbernauld and messaged me and they came with a few of their friends. So we had a group from Ireland over who came on the bus. That was for a Rangers game. Um, so he came on and then we've had other people as well that have came on so it's, it's open to absolutely everybody um, and you so say the more the more the better because you so see the busier it is the better atmosphere it is on the bus as well um, and you so say it's, it's a good experience for some people um, so the guy from Ireland he was really he really enjoyed it um, we actually do a football card as well on the bus um, so everybody pays say like a pound or two pound to get a box and the guy from Ireland actually won the card that day so just by chance so, so it made, made him sort of enjoy it a bit more as well but you see it's, it's a good experience a good atmosphere for people and, and you see the more that's on it the better and so that's what it's all about really is just having a good time yeah, it'd be good to get on there and just uh, you know feel involved feel part of it because you know if you're from out of town I know for myself, yeah. like if I was over there, I don't, I don't know very many people over there, so it'd be a good way to meet some people, like-minded people, go to a game and have a few yep. drinks and just have an enjoyable day. So yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Because I think with it as well, you see, we've got some people who come on the bus and they would maybe travel to games on their own or maybe watch the games on their own. Um, so when you come on the bus, you see, everybody's kind of friendly with everybody. There's not any time somebody would come on the bus whether they were on their own or maybe just themselves and a mate um, and sit in sort of silence kind of thing. If somebody's there, everybody's really open and friendly to them. Um, you get chatting to them and through times, you see, build up friendships with these people um, and then maybe out with the football, maybe go and get a pint with them and you see, there's a big... It's really... The social aspect of a supporters club, I think, is massive. Um, so the football's one thing but you maybe go to the game and you're only at the game for maybe an hour and a half to two hours whereas outside that you're spending a few hours before the match and potentially a few hours after the match so see, I think it helps a lot of people because you see instead of just sitting watching yourself or going yourself you see, for us we would get the train through and you maybe have a few mates but then when you're getting a bus you're getting a big group of people all together and all chatting and you see, it's a good atmosphere on the supporters bus and you see, it's good for people who 
maybe weren't aware of it because we've got a lot of people who come on and they would maybe drive to the games or get a, just get a normal uh, a normal bus through. And when you come on the bus, it opens your eyes to a lot of things as well, and it makes it a more enjoyable match day experience for people. Um, and I think that's the main thing for doing it is enjoying yourself and sort of let make sure everybody else enjoys it as well and sort of make new friends to be honest that's kind of what the, the main thing for it is for is obviously getting people to the games and obviously supporting Celtic but building up these sort of friendships um, is is good as well that's what we like to hear so how's the CSA received in the local community it's pretty, pretty good to be honest um, you see the thing with Cumbernauld is there's there's probably about maybe four or five supporters clubs, and in terms of Cumbernauld's not the biggest of places either, so there is kind of quite a few clubs. But in terms of ourselves, we've done um, quite a few fundraisers and stuff in say in the local community. Um, so even through the years, they've got a lot bigger. Um, so say started off with a sort of small event, and then last year we had a big event in the the local kind of town hall. So that was that was a massive event. Um, so we had Charlie and the boys on there, but all the money goes to charity mainly. So see, again, it looks good when you're you're doing these things for the local community, getting a lot of people involved again. Um, and see, for Charlie and the boys was quite a big thing as well for getting them to come on all tip for a gig. Um, so I think we had almost two hundred people at that event, um, and see, it was all in the local community and then we donated just over £2,000 as well to charity so doing that again is getting everybody involved but you're also donating money to charity for good causes as well and good publicity from it so in terms of that it's it's, it's received received well for, for giving back to the community so that, that's kind of what it's all about to be honest Are there any particular charities that the CSA supports or is it just different every year every time around? can be different different every year so the first time was a local charity in Cumbernauld we had done a small a small event there um, it was a kind of golf day out type thing so this is our first year really of running the, the supporters club and we made a kind of small donation to a local charity um, so we donated money to them then after that we had donated to um, the Celtic Foundation so we've done a few things with the Celtic Foundation um, initially the first one was a campaign ran by the Celtic Foundation called 67 Kitchens um, and it was to build 67 kitchens across Africa and Malawi um, so it was building kitchens for them providing sort of food and drink um, to sort of local kids and stuff in the local area so we had raised just over um, just over £1,500 for that um, so we supplied that to the Celtic Foundation and there's a there's a kitchen in Malawi with a plaque on it which says sponsored by Betty Old Cumbernauld Supporters Club um, so we put our money to that and we get sent pictures across of the kids with sort of bowls of food and stuff um, so the kids are there and it's got our name in the background so that was a massive thing in terms of the money we raised was say, a fantastic amount but it makes a difference when you see directly where it goes, whereas I think some other times, you say without any disrespect to other charities, but you maybe hand over a donation and you don't really see where it goes, whereas for the Celtic Foundation and the 67 Kitchens campaign in particular, we donated our money there, and on the back of that, we received photographs and letters and stuff with the kids in that kitchen, with the, the food getting supplied and our names on that as our sponsored kitchen. Um, so that was massive. Say, and then we also done through the, when we'd done the Charlie and the Boys event, say we raised just over £2,000 for that. We had supplied that to, um, supplied that to Celtic Foundation again. Um, and they were doing different projects with Dementia Scotland as well. Um, so we supplied the money to them so there's different initiatives Celtic Foundation do um, and they've got kind of a close relationship with one of the guys who's the main kind of fundraiser for them so he keeps me up to date with the initiatives he's running um, 
and obviously we'll always try and help out as much as we can. Um, the one with the one and a half thousand pounds we donated was we had climbed uh, Ben Lomond in Scotland, which is I'm in row, like a small kind of mountain. Um, so a, a group of us done that, which again was good for the social aspect, a challenge, but it was a good sort of challenge that everybody done. Um, took part in and say raised a massive amount of money so it was good and that was for the 67 Kitchens campaign whereas the other time we done the, the night in the town hall whereas we had about 200 people in there um, and everybody had a great night and say raised a massive amount of money again um, so say we were doing different challenges and raising money for different things um, but also having a good time as well doing it um, so yeah, recently and sort of going forward it seems to be doing a lot with the Celtic Foundation so that seems to be you're give, giving the money there and you see directly where it's going which is good um, and even recently over the lockdown say I think they put in almost £600,000 to support the local communities um, whether it's food or different things helping disadvantaged people so you see, they're doing great work um, and anything we can help at all is, is, is worthwhile. Oh, that's great to hear. Do you have any stories from within the CSC that you want to share with us? Um, but there's, there's quite a few. There's probably quite a lot that probably aren't broadcastable either. Um, but see, there's been over the last kind of four years, there's been some meg, mega things that we've done. Which is we've been we went to Sunderland. Sunderland away um, when we went there we see we ran a bus and I think we took 50 57 people down to Sunderland and that was probably our first big big trip um, so that was for a pre-season friendly and see we all met up in Cumbernauld and taking the bus down there we got down there really early and went to different sort of different pubs down there the weather was fantastic um, and see it was like that was really good. They say the match, I think we won five nil. Um so that was good as well. Um and then on the way back, they say trying to get trying to round up fifty seven people was a bit of a challenge. So we're in Sunderland and obviously none of us had ever been there before. Um and we're trying to leave. It's the first time we'd had the bus driver and the bus driver was a f- a fair age. So he was desperate to, to get up the road quick. Um and we are trying to round up the bodies struggling to find people the bus driver's getting frustrated he's ready to leave while we're four or five people down trying to phone them no idea where they are I think we ended up the last bus in Sunderland that day trying to get away um, so see, that was probably a bit of a sign of things to come um, it was like a cracking day out a good day out just kind of madness from start to finish but you see you get the result but it's in the we done we ran a bus to Paris for the PSG game, so that was 17 hours to Paris and 17 hours back um, on a bus. So I think we took in total. I think there was about 50, 50 people again went to Paris, and a lot of them was people who'd maybe never been on the bus before. Um, but again, it's all a lot of it's kind of alcohol orientated. So I say a bus to Parkhead. Maybe 20 minutes, people get drunk enough in that time. A bus to Sunderland and then Paris as well was 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 mental. But again, it, it was a great a great trip. Um, so we were away down there. Then usually for sometimes on the way to home games and stuff, the bus company we had at the time, the buses were buses that were kind of the lowest of the low almost. They were they got us to the games, but multiple times. This was our old company. It was the cheapest bus we could get, um, but it would occasionally break down and they're left at the side of a motorway trying to get to the games and you're standing waiting to get other buses and stuff. So we're now not with that company, but on the way to Paris and back, we got probably one of the best buses possible. Um, so we got that. It was a really good bus. Um, on the way back, the toilet stopped working. So that was, we were travelling all the way from Paris back to Glasgow with a toilet that wouldn't work. So I think there was about a million stops for people to go to the toilet. Um, so see, the, the trips to Paris, to Sunderland and stuff were were good, but 
absolutely wild. And for myself, running it, they're happy to get home because they're just hoping you get you get back without anything happening. But it's all everybody's always kind of good natured on the bus, but also get carried away as well at times. But you see, it's all it's all good. Um, you see, we went away to went away to Valencia as well. Um, we went to Barcelona first, went to Barcelona and then travelled from Barcelona by bus to Valencia. Um, that was a good trip, so obviously the result wasn't as good. Um, we went to went to Rome last year for the Lazio game um, so as a club as well. So you see, it's good to, there's been a lot of different games, a lot of big moments. And I think um, since we've started the bus, just by chance, we've won a treble every year. So we've never lo- never lost a trophy, which always helps when you're building a supporters club. So we've been been good that way. And you see, it's, you see success kind of brings good times to the bus and everybody to enjoy it. Um, you see, it's good as, as well for maybe some of the, these European away games. Some people would maybe never get the opportunity to do that or have a group to go with. Whereas now with the group chat and stuff, people can say, right, who fancies this? Um, and you'll get a group of people wanting to go. So let's say there's uh, boys went away to went away to Berlin uh, for the the Leipzig game. Uh, I think they went to Berlin and travelled to Leipzig. Um, so it's it's good for the last few years for the, all the all the games domestically they've been to, but also European as well. Um, a lot of people have travelled kind of kind of Europe now as well, and it's it's, it's good that way. And so some of the memories are the them, so you kind of never forget. Like in particular, say Rome. So you're away over there and expecting, not really expecting a result, um, but see you're there with see a big group of your mates from the bus. You're enjoying the time there, and then to get the result as well is, is obviously is incredible. Um, it's, it's it's good that way because see, you do things and you go to places you would maybe never have went to. Um, following Celtic obviously the main thing, but as a supporters club, it gives you the opportunities to go to these places with some people you would maybe never have went away with either. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been incredible, to be honest, the last kind of four years as a supporters club, the stuff we've done and the stuff we've been to, and it's, it's, it's been, been brilliant. That's good to hear. So what would be the most memorable match or event that the CSC has hosted or attended and why? In terms of going... On the bus, I would probably say the, the treble, the, the first treble that we won. Um, you see, when obviously Rogic scored in the last minute, you see we're going through and you're going through on the bus and you're kind of excitement, but obviously incredibly nervous as well. Um, you see, you don't really know what to expect, but then once you've won the match and you get back, obviously the match is incredible, but then you get back on the, the supporters' bus. The atmosphere was incredible on that. Um, you see, you kind of you don't. We've all we've been on buses, um, maybe drop points to maybe Rangers, or we've we've lost some some games, and it can be quite sort of down at times. Um, so there's not really much of an atmosphere then, but when you win that treble in particular, it was unbelievable. You see, kind of you celebrate in the game, but then when you go on the bus, you celebrate with all your mates again. Um, and so that's like a day you'll never ever forget for being there but it's good when so for us as a supporters club that was the first cup final we had been to as as a group um, and then so you go there and say the celebrations after were, were absolutely amazing um, so in terms of going on the bus it would be that um, and then recently you say as a club as a group we had went to Rome um for the Lazio game so we all had tickets for that as well which is a kind of rare occasion usually for the European games you're, when we've went you're maybe in a pub somewhere because you can't get a ticket for the match for Rome we all got tickets um, and you're kind of going there we weren't really expecting much of a result um, and then to obviously get the result and they say the celebrations again there was absolutely incredible so you say in terms domestically I would say it would be the the Rogic sort of last minute winner in the Scottish Cup final, um, and then European wise, we'd say the Lazio game, which that was 
it was unbelievable. Have you had any former players or any famous fans come to any of your events that you've put on over the years? Yeah, so we had we had tried to get um, Bertie Old, so we had him kind of booked in twice, but through through sort of circumstances that uh, he couldn't he couldn't make it. Um, so that's when we had we had Charlie and the boys um, do a gig for us. We had them play twice. And it was kind of part of the booking that Betty Old would come, but he said, unfortunately, he couldn't make it. Um, so we had Rab Douglas at the first the first night with Charlie and the boys, so he stepped in last minute. Um, so he came and said it was a brilliant night. He said it was good to have him there. Um, so I told a few stories and stuff and mingled with everybody who was there. So he put on a, it was a, it was a great night then. Um, the last night we had last year with Charlie and the boys again. Um, Tom Boyd stepped in last minute, which was incredible because we thought when Betty Old couldn't make it, um, we tried to give it as long as possible if, if he could turn up, but at the same time, when he couldn't, we just thought accepted that we, we might not have had a player there because it's good having these nights. You've got Charlie and your boys playing, and that's good, but it's also good to having somebody there like Tom Boyd coming to Cumbernauld was, was brilliant, and got a lot of fans. Some, some people's dreams to kind of meet guys like that and when you can go in and you get to meet them first hand uh, Rab Douglas was the same Tom Boyd they were up talking to everybody getting photos with everybody and so it was brilliant I get Tom Boyd stepped in again about three or four days before the event but he was happy enough to come and help us out and he told a few stories and stuff that he could probably say off mic so he's not getting recorded for but it was brilliant having him there having him mingle with everybody and have a laugh with everybody was was amazing with the bus being named obviously after Betty Old um, it would have been good to have him there but it's difficult now and obviously he's he's a a fair age now as well so it's not really fair on us trying to get him out to Cumbernauld and you see, it's good having it there, and he's aware of the bus and stuff. But it's in terms of our nights we've had, say, Rab Douglas is there, um, and then Tom Boyd was there. So it, was, it was brilliant nights. It was good for everybody to to meet these guys as well. How hard is it for you to arrange those guys to get out to come to the events? Like from your personal perspective, how much time effort that goes into arranging that, just so people out there listening can find out what you what you go through to arrange something like that. Well, I, I had to do speak to a few people and try and get the right kind of contacts, basically. Um, and I, I spoke to Charlie and the boys um, direct, so I'd spoken to them um, to try and get them booked in, get dates sorted, um, and then obviously try and get a player as well. So for us, it was Betty Old was the kind of main one. Um, and then when he couldn't make it, it was trying to see who else we could get and without being disrespectful to some other players you know, some people that are there but get Tom Boyd was kind of better old to be the main one but Tom Boyd was an incredible one to get because you see obviously for everything he's kind of done for Celtic but otherwise trying to get some players in there's obviously the current players is we can't really get um, but so getting the people in it takes a lot of time to get it done um, getting it all booked in, getting a sort of venue booked can be quite difficult because basically local Rangers fans, to be honest. So you're trying to get these, these nights booked. You've got us trying to book it and you've also got counter-protests, if you want to call it. Um, so you've got all sorts of rumours and all sorts of things getting passed about and said and it can be difficult to get it on. And once it's on, that's it, it's ready to go. But up until the point that it's on, there's always a chance it could get cancelled, basically by kind of local authorities, whether it be the council or local police and stuff. I've had to deal with them both, trying to get these things on, um, and to the point that some people just don't bother trying to do it anymore. But for in terms of the gigs on themselves, said we've had Charlie and the boys now, and we've had to kind of try, we've had them twice, and we've had to try and keep it under wraps as much as we can to prevent these counter-arguments because, you see, I've had the one in the town hall with Charlie and the boys, 
we had Charlie the boys that was supposed to be Betty Alto was there. It was a Celtic night and that was it. We were getting all sorts of rumours and sort of threats and stuff trying to cancel it. And said, we wouldn't have Betty Old or Tom Boyd or anything at any nights which could bring them bad publicity. And we obviously don't want bad publicity as a bus as well, but in terms of getting it on, there's a mega amount of work to get it on, get tickets sold and stuff. So it's the biggest worry is you try and book these guys and it's not it's not cheap to get the band booked, get a venue booked and everything else that goes with it. So you need to sell a sort of certain amount of tickets to cover the costs, but then also in terms of charity, make a fair amount of donation to that because especially the one we raised just I think it just over two thousand pounds we donated to charity and that was on top of paying off the costs as well. So I think in total we'd raised just over maybe four thousand pounds, which was which was a mega amount. But for doing that, I didn't want to do it, and we only had a couple hundred pounds to donate. I wanted to donate a really good amount of money, which is what we did. Um, so, so there's a lot that goes with it. There's a lot of help as well from. We've got a bus committee, um, so see, we've got our, our members there, and we've also got a separate committee as well who kind of help out with doing things, um, whether it's helping out with money, helping out arranging stuff. So you see, everybody digs in and helps as well. Um, so it's, it's good. It's, it's good getting it in. And then in terms of getting Charlie and the boys is a massive thing. Um, it's one of the most probably popular Celtic bands about. Um, so getting them in was massive. And then obviously getting the player in to Charlie and the boys, they kind of done the most because they've got the contact. But it's, it's up to myself to communicate with them and our members as well to see who they would like to go. Because you want to get kind of star name who people want to go and see uh, when we had Tom Boyd coming in once we announced that and we were getting messages constantly saying they wanted tickets and even right up to the night started people were desperate to get in so it's good to it's good to bring Charlie and the boys to come on old for people to go and see and then obviously bringing ex-players as well is good for, for people because they might not get the opportunity to meet these guys and to meet them first hand is, is really good for them and it's good to be able to bring that to the people as well. That's uh, great to hear that all the amount of work goes into it and when it all comes off, well well done, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a relief when you get it going. It's a, the build-up can be stressful, par- paranoid in case it gets cancelled or they say there's any changes that could happen. Say when Once it all goes on and when they've went on, they've, they've all been great nights. Say we started off the very first night we'd done um, there was a guy Liam McGrandos who we had him that was probably three years ago now um, he came and it was it was, it was absolutely brilliant for the night that we had and obviously now he's he's went he's became even more popular as time goes on he's doing really well for himself so we had him a few years ago and we had I think maybe 70 70 or 80 people and every year we've sort of done a different event and it's got bigger and bigger and so I think the one we had before was a capacity of 125. Um, we sold sold that out for just over that. And then the one for recently with Charlie and the boys in the town hall was probably one of the biggest venues in Cumbernauld. And we sold that out and went above and beyond again. So it's it's good to bring these things there. But when they become a massive success as well, and obviously the charity side of it, we're making massive donations to charity. But you're having a great time yourself and, and say the community as well having these good nights so it's good to be able to provide them and as they all go off successfully which is the main thing what would be the most memorable game that you've been to obviously the, the, the treble that so you think it's, it's weird because growing up for myself um i'd only ever seen one treble well i was younger at the time i was i was probably too young to remember but we'd only had one treble in a lifetime and then when you win the first treble again the one that Rogic had scored I think it's almost like a one-off and then to go and win treble after treble after treble and we might even win now a fourth treble you think winning the treble would be good but you've, you keep winning them so it's like you, you sort of you're saving the first one and then the next one comes up and then the next one again so the trebles have been unbelievable to to be a part of really like, I see, I've, myself I've been to every home match every game at Hamden and I've been to every final and it's been brilliant to be there um, I think when being younger the big game I remember was 
the one that we won two one against Rangers at Celtic Park when Hesselink scored um, the very last minute. Um, that was probably one of the biggest games and sort of biggest release I can remember because it's, I think that where I sit at Celtic Park just now is just the next row beside the standing section. Um, so when Rangers at that time, if I look straight ahead, I'm looking right in to the Rangers end and. See the game, everything that went on with that game is absolutely incredible. You see the Nakamura's goal for the first one, um, you see Rangers equalised, soon and Nakamura hits the one in the top corner, Queller punches it off the line, sent off, McDonald misses a penalty. The Rangers end was bouncing just before we scored. They, they thought, if they drew that game, they essentially won the league. And the, the tension in the game was unbelievable then. The way when Hesselink scored, it was just absolute pandemonium. Uh, that was, and then it almost handed us the title. I say everything swayed to us that day. The Rangers then went from a buzz, thinking that they were getting the result, to just complete deflation. And I could see it. when we scored, we were going nuts. But then it, I could look directly ahead, and you can see right into the Rangers end, and you can see them charging for the doors as well. So it kind of added even more satisfaction to the result. But then. Getting the result last minute is nothing better than scoring a last minute winner, especially against them. Um, so that was good. And see, the Barcelona game as well was unbelievable. See, I'd been to the, the Man United game was good. Um, see, obviously the Nakamura's free kick was frightening, and where I sat, it almost couldn't get a better view. Um, it was almost right in front of us, and you could see it just swinging to the top corner. It was nuts, and then the penalty again. Like, again, it was pure. Ecstasy, basically everybody celebrating, and then when reality, when I think it was like Ronaldo hit the free kick for Man United, everybody celebrating because it's hit the wall. Then they give a penalty, and the place is just in complete silence, thinking we threw away the result. And when Boric saved that penalty, it was absolutely unbelievable. And so that that was a good result. But then the Barcelona win was just you kind of couldn't believe what you're seeing because I think with the, with the away game hanging on for so long to lose a goal at the end, you were. You couldn't believe it. And then when we scored and went 1-0 up against Barcelona, you're, you're celebrating and you're excited, but you're, you're sitting there terrified thinking they're going to score. And they absolutely pounded us that night and said, Foster was incredible. But you're sitting there just waiting for the moment that they score. And then, say when I think it was Xavi missed, missed that ball and Tony Watts charging through and goal, the noise was frightening before he'd even hit the net. And when he hit the net, it was like, it's you know, you kind of worked up celebrating it. You see, it's weird. You see, you celebrate some goals, but the goals in particular, you kind of can't believe what you're seeing. And when you're celebrating, obviously with everybody around about you, you're kind of hugging people you don't even know, um, kind of rolling down seats, and you're trying to take it in. You kind of can't believe what you're seeing. Um, you don't get it. There's not really any other feeling like it in the world, to be honest. When you're celebrating, they kind of goals. You see, the amount of moments that you're lucky to have seen. Um, so now it's like treble after treble after treble potentially now obviously going to win 10 in a row next year hopefully get the fans back in but to go over the results that we've had the last few years and it's been pure domination domestically but it's the games in Europe what beating Lazio away the last minute was unbelievable then Barcelona at home so Man United at home the Rangers games beating them it's been the amount of moments you've had to endure has been absolutely brilliant. Um, and so there's nothing better doing it. And see, when you're doing it, celebrating it with sort of family and stuff, it's celebrating it with friends, family, and it makes everything a lot better, I think, when you're getting to enjoy these moments. You see, you're lucky to enjoy it. And it's good having, you see, a season ticket every year and getting to enjoy these moments. There's nothing better than it. Yeah, it makes making me jealous listening to you talk here, being all the way. Around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's well, if I could see what me people say to me, like, would you ever move abroad with work and stuff? Would I ever go away? You've got the opportunity to maybe to do something like that. But you say it's kind of people say it's selfish in a way. Like, say my girlfriend's thinking, oh, I could maybe do this or maybe do that. But I couldn't leave it behind, to be honest. <laughs> see, to go if I was to move away. I couldn't give up the season ticket or give up the Celtic games because it's been my life since I was about four years old. I've been going to the games since I was about four years old and we've never known any different. But you, you realise how lucky 
yeah, when you go away to, to places, you say, you go away and you're speaking to people who don't get there every week and you're kind of telling them the stories and yourself and it makes you realise how kind of lucky you are, to be honest, to, to go to these games because other people don't get as much opportunity to do it. I think that's the thing with the supporters club locally as well. We've got some people who maybe can't afford a season ticket or maybe can't get to all the games, but we, when people can't make the home games or make any games at all, we'll give the ticket away for free. Um, we, will not, we would never charge anybody for a ticket if it was a spare ticket. Um, for Rangers games and European games and stuff, through the club, I get offered the opportunity to get some extra tickets. So for the Rangers games, for example, we've had the last few years people who'd never been to a Celtic Rangers game and would never really get the opportunity of getting a ticket because they wouldn't really go to general sale. But I've got the opportunity to sort of get some spare tickets. So you give them back to people who had never been to maybe cup finals, had never been to a Rangers game or never been to the CD big European games and you give them these tickets and they're happy and sort of buzzing to get the tickets, but it's good to give these people who've maybe not got the luxury that we've got to attend every game, but it's good to give it back to these people as well and let them sort of enjoy it. So it's good to get to do that. Yeah, well, for us over here, it was for me growing up, it was okay, we wait every month and then once a month we go to the supporters club, get the VHSs sent over, and then yeah. off we go watch a bunch of games in one day. So that's how it all started yeah. out for me. So <laughs> you're yeah. a lucky man, that's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So off the back of that, who would be your all-time top five Celtic players? Uh, I think for myself, it's, it's kind of a difficult one because you've got the obvious ones. Um, so you've got obviously Billy McNeils and stuff. Um, but so obviously I wasn't really lucky enough to see these players in the flesh. Um, but you see, I think t- Billy McNeil, for see, everything he kind of stands for, would be obviously in there. Um, as a number one defender um, so he would be in there as a defender then for me growing up um, Boric was the number one like, goalie you see people would say like, maybe Foster was better or, but say in terms of Boric for his ability and everything else he brought it was just unbelievable like, he was an absolute madman and see, even now like, you still sort of remember the games he played in sort of big moments he had so We'd have him as sort of the number one in goal. Um, Larson would be obviously in there as well. We've seen him in the flesh. And even being, I was only a young boy. Is he now? I'm twenty twenty five at the moment. Obviously still like young. But even still remember watching Larson. And even now, see in terms of obviously myself remembering them. But you see even little guys a lot older than me. And even hear the way they talk about Larson. It was in even people like Sir Alex Ferguson with Bar- Barcelona and Ronaldinho and stuff the way they all talk about when you think how lucky can a Celtic went to have him for so long and see him in his prime and say we've never seen anything like it again so, so you'd have him in there as well um, and obviously Maravchuk would have him in as well so he was just another phenomenon basically so for the, even at the age when he came in but even now so you speak to people he's definitely up there with See the best players, so you would have him. Um, there's that many players, I think. But probably the last one, say, would be Paul McStay. Um, again, I wasn't lucky enough to see him in the flesh, but um, see, I know my family and other people would say he was just for everything he brought to Celtic was unbelievable. Um, you see, obviously, videos of him playing was unbelievable. Um, and see just everything that he's got. You speak to people and how they still talk about him. Say to have a player at Celtic for so long again was brilliant. So I think there's so many players to try and whittle them all down, but I think I would go for the five. So it was Boric, McNeil, Maravchik, Larson, and McStay. I would go for the five. So it seems to be a decent five-a-side team. No arguments from me at all there. That unbelievable team. And yeah. I'm looking at it going, put Paul McStay in there. That's the guy for me that if I ever met him, I would be the biggest fangirl ever. Yeah. I think I'm <laughs> not even a fanboy. I'd be like a fangirl. I'd seriously be like crying <laughs> like I'm watching a boy band or something. Yeah. It'd be crazy. Uh, yeah. My, my mum, she's she's obsessed with Paul McStay. Absolutely obsessed with him. Um, 
and he said obviously now that he's, I think he stays in Australia now. I think. Yeah, he lives up in Sydney. So, yeah, so I think his son, I think his son plays with uh, Clyde, Clyde Football Club, and they're they're from Cumbernauld. Um, so his son's playing there, and I think Paul McStay was there one game, um, but nobody knew until after it and see the. My mum was always in tears thinking that she had a chance to meet him. Um, I can remember when they done the, it was like the, I think it was like Maist Rio or whatever they called it, but it was the charity game with Rio Ferdinand and Paul McStay. Um, and when he came over, he done a kind of dinner, dinner event. Um, and so my mum and dad had went to that and they managed to meet him there. But again, even that she, like my mum and dad, they, so they're like, so go mental for him. But it's just, I've grew up the stories from them about him and then you hear other people talking about him and even that that game Rio Ferdinand was like a fanboy over him he couldn't believe like he was meeting him and stuff and you think like how Rio Ferdinand had pretty much had nothing at all to do with Celtic ever and then he's that obsessed with Paul McStay like watching him and stuff and then even when he met him it was like you see, I think it rubs off when you see them other people out with Celtic how much they well, uh, an admiration of him as well. It kind of speaks volumes for him, but you say it was, I think everybody would be a bit head over heels if they met him. I think that's why he's moved to Australia to try and stop everybody being obsessed with him. Get some get a normal, quiet, quiet sort of life over here. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the only way. It seemed like I hadn't even spotted him at any of the local A League games or anything, and then s- suddenly there's a photo of him with. Him meeting Scotty McDonald before a game yeah. earlier this season in Sydney, and I'm like, oh, so he does go to the games. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think he, he tried. I think he was doing some coaching for a bit, um, and then I think even that, just the, the publicity from it, I think it took a step back again. It's it's nuts how much you say. Like, it's, it's not even just Celtic. It's just people in general. It's, I think it just shows how good a kind of player he was. Yeah. Well, he was my hero growing up, so I know exactly what those people are yeah. talking about. Yeah. So last question for you, Sean Paul. So who would be the one player that you have seen in your lifetime that has not played for Celtic but you wish the club would have signed and why? And um, not, not Ronaldo or Messi because that's too obvious. Yeah, so I was thinking, I was thinking about kind of realistic wise, is that they probably never be able to say name. But I think in terms of players that I had seen kind of in the flesh so Ronaldinho was absolutely incredible I still think that not realistic again in signing him but seeing him in the, the limited times that we did was unbelievable like, see, he's Messi was good see, Ronaldo was good um, seen Me- Kaka I've seen him in his prime but Ronaldinho in, in his prime was absolutely frightening um, you see if you've seen him week in week out it would be brilliant Um He's just obviously never been a realistic option of signing him. Um, so in terms of say, realistic ones, I'm not too sure, but it's, I think Ronaldinho being able to watch him kind of week in, week out would have been brilliant. Um, he's obviously lucky enough to have seen him. Um, so that's a good thing about kind of European games. You go there first and foremost for, to watch Celtic and hope Celtic get a result, but getting to see guys like Ronaldo when he was playing with Man United and say Messi, um, but so watching. Ronaldinho, he was just absolutely brilliant. Like I said, just the technique and everything from him was incredible. I think if you managed to get him at Celtic somehow, even now, he's still going to see him. There was a three or four year period that he was just on fire, and doesn't matter yeah. who who the defender was, it just would have been would have scared the life out of you. So like you've got yeah. Messi and Ronaldo at their level, and how well they've played, and how the longevity they've had at that level is probably. Yeah. The best in terms of that regard, but in terms of a, a four, three, four-year window, yeah, I agree with you, Ronaldinho, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing with Ronaldinho as well, you see, what Ronaldo and Ronaldo's lifestyle is just about his body, basically. He's just everything's diet. But then you hear stories about Ronaldinho, and it was absolutely mental off the pitch. You see, like going, going out clubbing, going to pubs and stuff, and, and I think that's why even his career. Now I think he's in he's in jail at the moment. I think, but he's, he's absolutely nuts. But in terms of looking after himself, it, it wasn't as much as a professional as what 
now you've got like Messi and Ronaldo now. He was going out. Like, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Celtic played Barcelona and all the players were told to stay in the hotel. And I think it was that Scott Brown had went out. They went out to a pub or a club and they went out and they were away out to a club with Ronaldinho after the match. They say, Barcelona have just played Celtic at the new Camp and then straight after the game, he's away out clubbing. And you see, you, you never really see, to be as good as he was, and he was living an absolute manic lifestyle as well. It was just, it makes him even better, I think. He was absolutely brilliant on the pitch, but then off it, you see, it was, it was mental. It's just that lyric inside of him that we love. It's uh, the, old, uh, the old Mavericks, the guys like Cantona and Ronaldinho, yeah. that sort of guys who are like that. You just look at it and go, imagine, even Maradona for that reason, imagine what that'd be like if they were like. Cristiano Ronaldo and how yeah. professional that yeah good good call on that one good shout love yeah. it yeah alright so what we'll do is we'll plug the Twitter for the Birdie Old Cumbernauld CSC so at Birdie Old CSC and on Facebook Birdie Old Cumbernauld CSC give both them a follow thanks Sean Paul for your time having a chat it's been great learning about the CSC, the buses, some of the stories you've had have been unbelievable. Really great conversation. So thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on.